0: The Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. Hello. The ocean is vast and unyielding. Attempting to defy it, take their lives in their hands, unless someone has taken them already. My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and executive toy, and you're listening to Cinema Limbo. This evening's show is the 1974 dramatic thriller Juggernaut, directed by Richard Laster and starring Richard Harris, Omar Sharif, and Anthony Hopkins. My guest is confidant and consultant physician Amy Parr Young join us from her study in a London townhouse. Hello Amy. Hi. How are you?
1: Very good, thank you. Good. When was the last
0: time you went to sea? Um, oh, at least a year ago. Really? As as recent as that? Mm. It's a very long time since I've been at sea. Um, When my family lived in Germany in the 80s, we would come back to the UK periodically and we'd always go by car, which meant we'd have to take cross-channel ferries.
1: Yes, we did that too.
0: And they were always the most boring, miserable part of the journey. The weather was always, at best, cloudy. Mm. Um, The sea doesn't really agree with me to any great (laughs) extent. Um, my dad telling me that there were sharks in the water was a great thing to do. They were like whale sharks, which are basically harmless. Yes, yes. But shark is a scary word.
1: As a child, shark is never good. I used to find them quite exciting, even those little ferry trips, though, especially when we got to sleep on one overnight. Um, Tiny bunk beds.
0: Oh, we never did those. We just did, like, Dover Calais. A few hours, yeah. So the 1974 movie Juggernaut... Strikes a particular chord with me because hmm. it really does capture the sheer misery <laughs> of traveling by by a yeah. ship in the u k even before you find out there's a bomb on board
1: <laughs> I think most of the passengers, apart from one of the characters, mr Ooh, what's his name Curtin oh, Mr Curtin yeah who tries to make the whole episode hidey high, but on a boat
0: yeah. But and he's probably... I, I really love Mr Curtain. <laughs> it's a film I, I hadn't seen all the way through before. I'd seen the ending, uh, and I was aware of what the, the, kind of the gist of the story was, but I thought, it's something that's not that well-known. And I was aware of it having a few well-known actors in, so I thought oh, I should cover that in cinema limbo. It turns out that it's one of the few films I've seen that has three knights in it.
1: Oh, wow, I didn't
0: know that. Anthony Hopkins. Hmm. Ian Holm. I didn't know he
1: was
0: a knight. And a cameo by Michael Horden. Oh.
1: Okay.
0: And the making of the, the making of the movie sounds like a nightmare. in
1: that
0: it, Haha. Re- <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like almost as horrible as actually living through it. Based on a real-life bomb threat made against the QE2 and filmed on board a real cruise ship
1: mm. for
0: which they recruited extras by putting ads in the paper mm. saying, hey, do you want to go on a free cruise and be in a movie? <laughs> and at the bottom in small print, by the way, we're going to find the worst weather possible and head for it.
1: <laughs> Lovely.
0: Yeah. And it was just before the ship was sold to the Soviet Union.
1: Oh, how interesting.
0: Wow. So you weren't aware of it before... I told you to watch it.
1: No, I wasn't. I was aware of the actors in it, mainly Hopkins, Home and No Sharif. Richard Harris? Yeah, Richard Harris, a bit but I don't think I've watched many films with him in.
0: Um the first two Harry Potters and Gladiator.
1: Okay, well then I have. <laughs> what was he in Gladiator? He was the old emperor. Oh that's killed
0: at the beginning.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: But uh, it's It's sort of a disaster movie. Mm. It falls into that kind of disaster movie cycle of the early 70s, like the Poseidon Adventure, the Tarot Inferno, all of those. But it's a very British take Mm -hmm. on it. And I think that's why I wound up liking it so much and why I was so disappointed by the crappy DVD that we both had to contend with. We had separate copies, by the way, listener, but it's of the same edition. yes with no extras and the picture the wrong shape.
1: Yes, terrible interface as well, just to select things, everything's yeah. rubbish. Yeah, I'm
0: tempted to give it to my mum to send to her German pen pal oh. because it has German language soundtrack uh, which is always very helpful <laughs> um, because she doesn't speak English terribly well. Okay. Um, but all the menu graphics don't have any writing on and doesn't even have the name of the movie
1: oh god
0: <laughs> it's like ship film
1: yeah yeah.
0: and in fact it's it's had a few different titles for some reason the DVD is titled Terror on the Britannic mm. and they just made up the title to slap on the DVD it has no relevance to anything else very odd and the German title is 18 Hours to Eternity ooh that's
1: a little bit more sexy really it's very
0: dynamic yeah but it doesn't fit the just glumness mm. juggernaut is
1: very gray
0: it's, um, it's a it's it's a yeah. name that attracts your attention but it doesn't tell you anything and no. I, for, for years I thought well that must be the name of the ship
1: exactly and I did even before the start I was
0: like watching yes but it's not it's it's Ooh. the Britannic. it has a very low key start the mm. opening titles just with very almost ambient music over out of focus images and it gets them over with very quickly and we have documentary footage of the ship setting off from the quayside in London Mm. maybe yeah Southampton very vague not that it really matters but it's it's just very ordinary it's it's overcast it's grey it's clearly winter Mm. and the cruise ship Britannica setting off for U.S. Yeah, across the North Atlantic. And one of the first characters we meet is the entertainment officer, Mr. Curtin. He's handing out streamers. Yeah. People on the um, on the deck saying,
1: "Oh, oh you'd have fun with this! Yep. Throw it over the side!" Including the group of
0: youths. The group of youths. Oh, you have fun throwing that! They just look at it, toss it to the ground. Yes. <laughs> and um, Mr. Curtin's played by Roy Kinnear, mm-hmm. who was actually just worked with the director Richard Lester. On The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers, and he was the comic relief in that as well. He was D'Artagnan's mm. manservant. Richard Leff has actually had quite an impressive career. This is sort of one of the things he's done that's overshadowed by everything else because he did two films with the Beatles. He did Hard Day's Night and Help. Ah. Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers were big hits. And then in the early 80s, he did Superman 2, or the reshot Superman 2, and all of Superman 3. Which I loved, both of those. Superman 3 weirdly comes up very often on cinema level. <laughs> it's, it's not that great a film. No. But there's a lot there that's very enjoyable. Mm. It's a Richard Pryor movie with Superman in it. <laughs> but this is, it, it's really odd compared to those because there's two Superman movies are really quite broad comedy. And the Musketeers movies are as well. And that sort of fits with that because they're swashbuckling adventure. And the Beatles movies are comedies. But this is, it's like like a documentary maker has done this. Like um, someone like Michael Apted, who did the, the Up films. Yes. Someone like that has said, been told to make a disaster. And he said, well, I'll just make it like all my other films, like a documentary. Hmm. So it's very observational. Um, standing on the quayside is Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. because his family is going off to America. And I like how it's left vague why.
1: I think at one point she says she's going to see her sister. There is some family connection, but again, yeah. we don't know why.
0: And she's constantly miserable. She is very miserable. I get the impression that their marriage has collapsed. Possibly. And that she is taking the children to America. Mm. Because as plot carries on later when the ship is under threat and as Hopkins came out to McLeod says well, actually, my wife and children are on that ship, he doesn't look overly emotional. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that he'd be very concerned about his children. He doesn't seem that concerned about his wife.
1: And the wife is very wrapped up in herself though as well yeah. throughout the whole movie. Like her kids are just running wild.
0: Yeah. And I think, in, in part, I think it's because the ship is constantly in rough sea and mm. everyone's seasick, which is why dry toast is mm. a recurring motif in the movie <laughs> because that's the cure for seasickness. Actually, do you know what the perfect cure is for seasickness? Sit under a tree.
1: Hilarious. Thank you. Thanks. That's so, a kind of Mr. Curtain joke, that one.
0: Despite Mulligan original.
1: Ah, oh, well. And, of
0: course, Richard Lester started out by working with the goons. Oh. So it all tied together. There's a bit of background chatter as the ship sets off and everyone's leaving. McLeod gets into a police car. It turns out he's a police officer.
1: Yeah.
0: And there's, there's a couple of people moving away from the ship and um, you can hear one of them say to another, right, Humphrey, my place or yours?
1: <laughs> I actually put the subtitles on for this film because I found the sound so difficult.
0: Yeah, there was actually a warning on the back of the disc saying the sound yeah. is poor quality. It is. There's no excuse for that, really.
1: No. But I did actually have the subtitles on. So it was quite interesting because they're like, caught so much more than I would have otherwise. Uh,
0: there's one that's, it's like the, the whole documentary. There's so much sort of background chatter yeah. and this little detail in the whole world that's taking place uh-huh. outside the edge of the screen. It's the level of detail in the movie in the writing in particular is very very impressive. The original script was by a chap called Richard Alan Simmons but uh, Lester was not impressed by the dialogue so he drafted an Alan Plater very highly regarded television writer who basically rewrote the entire script Uh. the plot structure was the same and it's quite a conventional plot I think but very yeah. solid but all the dialogue rewritten so Simmons took his name off and it's credited to Richard de Coca oh. and Plato was credited at the end with additional dialogue mm. Bet but he was happy well, it could have opened up doors for him working in feature films. Yeah. As far as I can gather, Plato didn't work much in feature films, he just carried on working in television. But he did kind of perfect how to do realistic down-to-earth takes on genre. In the early 80s he did a series called The Beiderback Affair, which is about two ordinary school teachers from Leeds who get caught up in international espionage. <laughs> And it was a big hit at the time, and it was very grounded, very down-to-earth, and has that skein of humour running through it, mm. so that it feels completely real. And Juggernaut really feels like a dry run for that.
1: Mm.
0: I highly recommend that, by the way, because the three series all linked by the name Byderbeck.
1: Okay. We also get to meet a few different characters on the, as they're all going off, don't we? We get to meet some of... Yeah, there's a
0: there's a there's an all star cast on board the ship because mm. it's a disaster but You have to have the all star cast. So we have Omar Sharif as the captain. Mm. Yep. We have very cool man. Yeah, very very ice cold.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And he is in a relationship of some sort with uh, the blonde with blonde Mrs. Barbara Bannister,
1: mm, who is also a difficult one to understand. But...
0: Yeah, she's hard to draw a bead on. Um, mm. The impression I get is that she has several men on the men, go. Yeah, several men in powerful positions on the go at once. Mm. But it could be that it's the captain who she's really drawn to. I think that is the truth. Yeah. I but think... he's but he's devoted to his ship. He's much. He's more focused on that. Yeah. There is also uh, an American politician.
1: Oh yes, he's quite amusing.
0: He's uh, an interesting casting choice. It's Clifton James, who you may recognise from a couple of James Bond films at the time. Live and Let Die and The Man with the Golden Gun. He's the crazy southern sheriff oh. who's just this ridiculous, over-the-top stereotype mm-hmm. of, you know, the good old boy, I'll see you, boy, I mm-hmm. wonder And here he's just completely natural and real and really underplaying it all the way through. Yeah. And he's just... It just feels like a normal person who's yes. been caught up in this terrible situation who else have we got we've got, you know, we've got um, the, the two children yeah um, we've got the guy who just walks around on the deck with the moustache
1: yes we've also got the waiter who I found hilarious
0: oh the, the, uh, the Indian waiter
1: the Indian waiter who's obviously not Indian
0: well he is but he's second generation British yes because whenever he's talking to the passengers, he puts on the accent, the accent. and speaks pidgin English. And then when he's talking to the crew or the kids work, or the workmen who are still on board, um, re- yeah. finishing the refit, he has an ordinary English accent. Yeah, and and is obviously speaks fluent English. Mm. So he's he's putting it on, and yeah. it's an interesting choice. It doesn't relate to anything it
1: doesn't really do a great deal for the plot or anything no, it's, just it, it, an in, it's just a little fa-
0: it's a fascinating character mm. thing to put in and I think that's Alan Plater just putting mm. in some irrelevant character stuff yeah who else is there um,
1: we, we have this tall man who asks if the blonde is here on her own on the boat do you remember right at the beginning and he kind of appears throughout but we don't really ever find out anything about him
0: do you have, do you I don't recall. He's not the guy with the moustache, not the walker. I don't know. The guy who we always see him walking around the ship's deck. Mm. And the inference is that we're supposed to be keeping an eye on him because he looks shifty and It might be, him, might be him then.
1: But then obviously they're seconds in command, aren't
0: they, as well? There's, there's, a, few, there's a few of our senior officers. <laughs> yeah. They're a bit interchangeable. Yeah. I find they're professionals doing a job.
1: Mm. And just reporting back to Omar Sharif. Yeah. Essentially.
0: Omar Sharif and his collection of executive toys.
1: Oh, yes. He's got
0: so many executive toys. Yes. Again, an irrelevant thing that adds nothing to the story, but it's just an interesting thing to add that he's got Mm. these little things to play with
1: Mm.
0: rather than talking to people. (laughs) Actually, there is a bit later on when. um, he talks to the passengers about, uh, he, 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 he tells them, okay, there are bombs on the ship. And he makes a joke about, well, you know, you were, with all the uh, refits going on, you probably wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> and no one reacts. No. So I think, get the impression, oh, he's really terrible with people. Mm. He's great at running a ship, but you know, his love affair is clearly dying on its arse. Yeah. He can't talk to passengers. He stays up in his office with his little toys or on the bridge. It's, it has it's,
1: minimal interaction with any of the passengers, yeah, except from Blondie. Um,
0: it's it's just it's kind there's this whole world going on yeah. when we're not looking. That there's this, there's this history everywhere we look. Even when um, Curtain drops his guard later on and talks about, "Oh yeah, I was, you know, I was supposed to be at the Palladium, but I couldn't pass the entrance exam." You think, yeah, he's probably not joking this yeah. is like his last chance this is the bottom rung of show business that he could get into yeah. and he's reduced to this of screaming the lyrics of roll out the barrel yeah. to a room full of miserable people who think they're going to die difficult gig it's a very difficult gig and he never gives up
1: no
0: until <laughs> right at the end when yeah. he just says I'll oh, sod it and yes. walks off stage so as they're setting off in, oh, one thing I like in the, um, in the entertainment they have got a game of Pong
1: Oh, yes. That, again, dates the movie a yeah. bit. 19, yes. In 1973,
0: 1974, rather, that was a big year for IRA attacks. Mm. There was a major IRA campaign in that year, particularly around Christmas. It's a few months after the movie came out. So the idea of bomb threats was definitely very current. It was
1: a daily thing for a
0: lot of people. It was Yeah, it was something that people would expect. I mean, yeah. even because I'm a, I'm a few years older than you so I can re- remember very clearly the idea of you know, bomb threats on the news and bombs going off in the UK mm. by um, Irish terrorists that's kind of normal it still seems so Like when we had uh, the uh, July bombings in 2005 it just felt like this, that all over again mm. and appalling though it was it kind of felt it was just going back to the status quo a little bit for me yeah. Did it feel that way for you, or in not really? You know,
1: oh, right. I would say that for another, if, and, and still, even now, if something uh, something else happened, even though we're all on all on heightened terror alert, I, I think I'd still be quite shocked.
0: I think now it's it's long enough ago that it feels like there has been a big shift.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but that's just my perception, really. Yeah. I can only talk for myself.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. As various things are going on aboard ship, as Repairs being done because the refit hasn't finished yet. We see there are some some odd looking barrels, like yeah. oil drums, lying around. Mm. And people say, "Oh, you know, the bloody dockyard leaving their rubbish here." oh and uh, everyone on board is getting seasick. Yes, very. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just that the whole air, of, you know, how everyone's thinking we're in the middle of this terrible weather. We're seasick. The entertainment is awful. How can this possibly get any worse? <laughs> then we cut to Ian home, looking after his kids, and again, there's no mention of presumably the children have a mother. They didn't just bud off in spontaneously, or uh, given his uh, one of his most famous films erupt out of his chest. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a bit of
1: yeah. I didn't really care about his character that much either. Even throughout.
0: He's one of the most sympathetic characters in the movie. He's weirdly, given that he's the head of a big shipping line...
1: He's the most moral in he's terms the, he's of... He's the most moral. He's yeah. not
0: concerned about, oh, we'll lose money.
1: No. He just wants to save those people. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so as, as he's trying to give his kids his breakfast, um, there's a phone call and there's a voice on the other end that says, oh, Nic- Nicholas Porter of the Sovereign Line... I like that. I'm practising the accent. <laughs> well, there are some bombs on your ship. It's a little bit more lispy than this. There are some bombs on your ship. Better. And what I really like is as he's talking over the phone, we're shown scenes of what's happening on board ship. There's a disconnect in terms of the time scale because we're being shown things that can only have happened afterwards. After Porter gets onto the ship and says... There are bombs on board. Yes. I said, well, there there are some bombs. And there are seven of them. They're all below the waterline. They'll go off at dawn the following day. And to prove that he's not lying, there's another bomb on board that's going to go off right now. And then it goes off. So that should have already happened, but before they start looking for the bombs. Yes. And a couple of people are hurt when the bomb, the first bomb goes off, because it goes up off it goes off near the on, deck doesn't it yeah on the top deck near the smokestack yeah I assume that's what it's called I don't know near the chimney yeah um and of course he has an Irish accent yes as he's speaking so the inference is well, clear
1: yeah and asks for a ransom of I think it's a uh,
0: I don't think he asks for it yet. Does he not? No, I think he does say, oh, there's, I'll, I'll be passing on further instructions. Okay. Um, but the biggest issue at that point, of course, is that the sea is so bad they can't launch any life rafts. Yeah. And it continues being bad for the rest of the film. Because that's the one flaw. Oh, well, he gives his name as Juggernaut. Yes. Obviously. Because you, do you know what the derivation of the word Juggernaut is? No. I had to look this up. It, I think, is a corruption of a Hindi word that referred to a kind of mobile temple that were these huge rolling structures and that if you got caught under it, you couldn't stop it. Right. So something that...
1: Once it started...
0: An unstoppable moving force.
1: Yeah. Because this thing, if the weather was okay, which Juggernaut could not have controlled, then they'd be able to escape. Exactly. So,
0: but they would have still—they would have still potentially lost the ship. True. So he's holding the ship to ransom rather than the people on board, as far as he's aware.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the—I think it's the one big flaw in the movie.
1: Hmm.
0: And so there's a shot of the captain, and then that shot then fades out to red, which is a really—it's a very odd artistic choice because it's the one time where it becomes really stylised suddenly mm. and drops the documentary star. And we're in the National Gallery and someone's trying to bomb the National Gallery.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I thought this bit was really good though because it really gave you a sense of the two, those two characters then. Which yeah. Richard Harris and the other gentleman. David Hemmings.
0: He mm. was a big star in the 60s. Okay. He was...
1: I say a lot prettier
0: in the 60s but he, was, mm-hmm. he was kind of an alternative sex symbol oh. like in Swinging London okay. very very like um, an Austin Powers type in that oh. he didn't look like he should have been but he was a big sex symbol
1: yeah
0: yeah it's Fallon and uh, his pal Charlie who are bomb disposal experts because someone has rigged up a biscuit tin yes. full of explosives
1: and Richard Harris is slightly uh, appalled at how poor the quality of bomb is because he wants more of a challenge.
0: Yeah, it's almost like he's insulted that he's been called out for this, do this pathetic yes. lash-up. Yes. And he prides himself on his having never been beaten. Yeah. Which turns out to be untrue because there is a, he does talk about a bomb that they were never able to defuse right at the end. But he has this little chart where he says, Oh, Fallon is the champ. Yes.
1: <laughs> and also leaves it all. As soon as he's done his bit, he just walks off. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's so you clear it up.
1: Yeah. So well, he's got this sense of superiority as well over those kind of over normal
0: police, let's yeah. say. Well, he's a, he's in the navy mm. and he's a fairly senior officer, but he's he's very arrogant. Mm. He's he's kind of justified because he is An an absolute expert. It really reminded me of um, films by Michael Mann. Have you seen Heat? No, I've heard of it. Um, Have you seen The Keep, which I previously covered on Cinema Limbo? No. (laughs) You
1: should. I will, though. Oh, Collateral. Yes, I've heard of Collateral. Oh,
0: you haven't seen it? I
1: don't think so. (sighs) These aren't my type of films. Hence why, you know, I'm watching something different for you. (laughs) Well, thank you. No, it's not a problem.
0: Um, well, Michael Mann likes to make films about professional men who have devoted their lives to perfecting skills in a specific craft to the exclusion of all other aspects of life, so no social life, no family. Yes. So in Collateral, you have the expert hitman. In Heat, you have the expert cop and the expert criminal. And here we have Fallon, the expert... Bomb Bomb, bomb, bomb defusal expert, yeah. And he very much falls into that. Whereas it's mentioned that Charlie, his pal, he's got a wife and family. He's apparently been offered some job working on an oil rig where it's it's easy money. Yeah, it's really safe. And Fallon's saying, "No, you should take this. Mm. You you know, it's because you've got a family to look after, and it's all nice and safe, and it'll be fantastic. You know, you should go for that." But Charlie likes doing this. he likes the challenge of it as much as Fallon does. So the a kind of team is assembled in Porter's offices which I think are actually at the top of St Thomas' hospital opposite Westminster ah. to deal with the situation. There's the police yep. symbolised by Anthony Hopkins.
1: Yep.
0: We have the Navy symbolised by Julian Glover mm-hmm. from Game of Thrones.
1: I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh,
0: fair enough. He's been a Doctor Who twice and he's been a Bond villain.
1: Okay. I probably would recognise him
0: then. Um, he's, he's... he. he he gets called Jeff a lot. Hmm. Admiral Jeff. Um, and there's a minister. And the minister is a really... Not old,
1: a nice man. No.
0: No. He He's laying out government policy. And I think people would be more sympathetic if he wasn't doing it with a smile on his face.
1: Indeed. So he's very much against any sort of payment of ransoms. And that's what him and... He and Homer end up having. Yeah,
0: they had this comp where comp. Home, Yeah, um, Porter wants, it'll pay up.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, what do they want? Okay, fine, half a million pounds, no problem. Yes. We can afford that. But say, no, no, you can't do that. No. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: Mm.
0: And he does have a point because if you give terrorists what they want once.
1: Yes, it encourages it them for the future.
0: Give them an inch, they take a mile.
1: Yeah. But, but it's the way he does it is such a superiority sort of
0: I know better than me. I know better best. Best. Yes. should defer
1: to me dear yes. boy yes mm.
0: but um,
1: and Ian Holmes is actually more upset by this than Hopkins does as well during yeah. that, that moment again
0: I think it's maybe because of their line of work because McCloud um, is a police officer he's used to dealing with crises he's used to dealing with Life and death situations. Porter just runs a shipping line. Yeah. You know, it's and it's a cruise line. It's not even anything where there's going to be a lot of danger. They, you know, it's deliberately avoiding all danger. So he's much more angry about doing the right thing about protecting people's lives, whereas McLeod is thinking, right, practically, what do we do? Yeah. And a call comes through from Juggernaut explaining, this is what's this is what you're going to do to pay off the ransom. They trace the call, yeah, and it, very cleverly they they trace it to an empty room, yes, with a chair with two phone receivers, two hanging phones,
1: bed. yes, and they're like, oh, how clever! And I thought, oh, I'd never thought of doing that. And of course, nowadays technology has moved on to the point where
0: you could when you I don't
1: know when well, you could
0: do it through the internet.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's how with this dates slightly again that.
0: Oh, it dates it massively. I mean, the yeah. firm, it's, it's a snapshot of early 70s Britain, yeah. very much. But it's like looking through a window and seeing, oh, this is how all that stuff worked then. Yeah. This is how you set up an untraceable call before you had com- computers. Because when you see yeah. the trace in the call, it's all done with, like, clockwork things in the, the phone exchange.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's all chunking, clattering about and all making...
1: Much more like, mechanical. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's more interesting visually as well.
1: Hmm.
0: And it, and it feels, again, like a documentary of seeing this is how these systems work.
1: Yeah. Rather than nowadays, you'd just be looking at a computer.
0: Exactly. And it's, even though that would be how it happens now, it's just less dramatic and yes. less interesting. The bomb disposal team set off are going to be dropped by a Hercules bomber. Well, not a bomber, but a transport plane into the sea. Yeah. Whilst on board the ship, the crew are aware that there's something happening. Yes. But they're keeping it from the passengers. Mm. So we have an announcement as they're in in the middle of a gale, horizontal rain, curtain comes on the PA and says, Oh, despite the weather, the deck tennis tournament
1: will still be taking place. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you would do. Even in real life, they would be trying to just... You know, that's what you do. You entertain everybody until we know exactly what's going on. You, you yeah. wouldn't involve anyone
0: at that point. No, it's like they're, they're falling back on regular procedure rather than, rather than even trying to compensate for the terrible weather. Yeah. And there's, at one point, they have a bingo game. Yeah. And we just see everyone playing bingo.
1: Yeah.
0: But uh, the, the politician... Stops one of the, the exact the yeah, officers. I mean, has is, a good line there. Yeah. Well, is this, just, well, this is the, well, I think we're going around in circles." So, oh, well, it's that kind of sea, sir. Well, this is the sun moved as well. Is it that kind of sun? Mm. Yeah. But as you say, here's the line. to? About...
1: Uh, he says something like, "I'm a very good politician. And I make it my business to know. I make it my business to be a very good liar, but also to know when I'm being bullshitted." something like yeah, this.
0: Yeah, this is when a liar's biting me yeah. and I have just been bitten.
1: Exactly, that's it, that's it. It's very good. Yeah, very good line. So he's, but it's, he's not, it's not threatening
0: him, it's saying No, it's just saying, I'm not lying. an idiot, yeah. I know, I know you're like, I know that you're, yeah. you're trying to have a song tell us the truth. Yeah. Oh, and um, the the McLeod children.
1: Mm. While
0: Mrs McLeod is in bed, with her seasickness. Feeling
1: sorry for herself, feeling, yeah. Feeling
0: very sorry for herself. So she's has a couple of things to give her to, to her children and she's given her son a nice buy book of ships. Yes. And he seems sort of using it and so looks up at the... At the flag above. Oh, oh, it says that we're carrying explosives.
1: And he says that in front of the group of teenagers you're all sulking on the floor of the deck. I didn't notice that. No, he does, yeah. And all the teenagers look up at it and think, oh.
0: Yeah. And there's this sort of Scenes of day-to-day boring life. It is there's a guy walking around the deck, still mm. walking around the deck. People playing table tennis, and Curtin yep. <laughs> comes into the room and steps on the ball. Yes, and then
1: just it's fine, and it it throws it back clock.
0: on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's this, as I say, it's this whole world that's going on. Yeah. So everyone has their own lives. Mm. It just it's so it makes it so easy to engage with what's happening because mm. it feels like the real world. The police are looking into who could who could be the bomber. They've set up their own um, command centre in a school. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably realistic. Yeah. Because it, if it was outside term time, or if it was a weekend, because the whole film takes place over basically a single day. Yeah, that would be a perfect place because it's a public building, completely deserted, mm. and because they're mostly based in the school hall. A big empty space where they can set up desks and all be in one room together.
1: See, nowadays though, they'd have their own. Surely you have your own departments for all this kind of stuff. You wouldn't need to go.
0: But they'd need to all be together.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, there are probably alternatives that they've worked out now. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this was just. Bef- this is just as the troubles were becoming really serious. Mm. So they probably weren't used to dealing with it on this kind of level. Mm. And that's they, they say, they figured out that there are some people on the circuit who... Could have been... Could, yeah, could have yeah, who are major suspects. Could not,
1: yeah. And they get in contact, they send Hopkins to talk to someone in prison, don't they?
0: Yeah, there's um, O'Neill, who... Now, he's wearing sort of ordinary prison clothes, but he's also got a big yellow square.
1: Yeah, I don't
0: know. I, now, I didn't look into this. I think that means... In some way, political prisoner okay. or IRA or something like that. Okay. And it's it's actually an uncredited cameo by Cyril Cusack. Mm-hmm. I think he might be the fourth acting knight in the movie. I oh. think he was knighted. Very big name, very prestigious name. And he's, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I know a lot about this, but I'm not going to tell you. I really don't care.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's... I mean, he's, a, he's an IRA man, so obviously he's not going to be friendly. No. But he's. It's cruel. Yeah. I would say. And
1: he's doing it as a personal thing to yeah. Hopkins as well.
0: Yeah. It's out of spite. Yes. So he. You know, there's 1,200 people. I don't care. Yeah. And um, Hopkins' second in command, who incidentally is played by the actor who played Jesus in the life of Brian, oh. Kenneth, Kenneth Colley. Uh, interviews Mr. Baker who's played by Sir Michael Horden who also only gets one scene and isn't credited Mm. and he is angry that he's even being suspected because the last job he did was for the foreign office (laughs) why was he building bombs for the foreign office Mm. odd and he's he's this really pathetic broken down shambles of a man working at a dog track
1: yeah
0: it's yeah. He's, he looks terrible. He looks so miserable.
1: I think most people in this film look miserable, though. But yes.
0: But it's yeah. You, you wonder how it is that he got there.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the whole. again, it's the, the whole. The whole life separate. In the in the entertainment land on the ship, there is a shipwreck pinball game.
1: Oh. And there's a
0: big close-up of that like, mm-hmm. shipwreck. And at this point, Fallon and his team arrive. Yeah. That's a
1: very dramatic arrival as well. It's
0: very good. It's very exciting. It's one of the rare, it's not really unrealistic because that is what would happen, but it, it's, it's an action sequence. Yes. And the little boy looking at him and says, oh, it's action, man. Yes. <laughs> and it is. Yeah. They're perishing out of a plane, landing in the sea. Um,
1: having to swim to the they ship have, itself they have to swim. and then grab onto those
0: ladders. Well, they send out a launch to yeah. pick him up. That doesn't work because the sea's too rough. And they end up having thrown these long rope ladders over the side of the ship. And even that doesn't work because one person falls off.
1: Yeah, one person does go.
0: And he says, Oh, we have going to go back to him. Well, the ship has a five mile turning circle. By the yeah. time we get back here, he'll be, gone. He'll be he's, gone. He's dead. Yeah. And that's horrible.
1: Yeah. But it's quite to the point, though. Yeah. But it also means their cover is blown That There's something very wrong now because all the passengers have basically watched this.
0: Yeah, there's 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 no way to conceal. No, although there is earlier on. There's a a nice little again a detail where there's a voiceover um, announcement on, the, on board the ship saying, "Oh, for due to unforeseen circumstances, the pool over how far the ship's traveling each day will be cancelled Yes, because they're going around in circles. in circles.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And it reminded me of there's a Roald Dahl short story uh, about a an inveterate gambler on board a cruise ship who has gambled all his money on the the ship's pool of how far they're going to go each day. And he's bet very low. Mm. And he realises the only way that he can stop the ship from going so far is to jump off and get the ship to send people out to rescue him. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only person he tells before he goes over the side, is a very elderly lady who he doesn't realise is in the care of somebody else. Aww. And we say, oh, I just saw a man go over the side. Oh, really dear, that's nice. Well, good for you. Come along, it's time for your lunch. <laughs> so you just see him there bobbing up and down in the sea um. as the ship is just disappears off into the distance. And the moral is, don't gamble. Exactly,
1: that's the, that's the big thing. <laughs> Keep away, kids.
0: Have you read any of Roald short stories?
1: I know. I read Boy and uh, Flying Solo, and that when I was a teenager. I never, and I read all the major ones, but I never read any
0: of the short ones. His twist in the tale stories for adults, like Tales of the Unexpected,
1: yeah,
0: are really terrific.
1: Okay.
0: They're really great little compact morality tales, like that of people getting in way over their heads. Yeah. Due to their own sort of arrogance or vanity, they're mm. great little stories and some of them were really grim <laughs> something else that I liked is that there's um, a shot of the, the team parachuting out of the plane and as they're going down the mask one of them flies off oh. and there's a bit of dubbed over swearing it's like oh, bloody mask <laughs> <laughs> so they just put that in to cover over the fact that they couldn't get a better bit of stop footage. <laughs> but as, as everyone's being hauled out of the city there is a close up on the face of the walker Mm. And I really do think that he's supposed to be set up as a red herring, mm. even though it doesn't really make any sense. Why would he be on board the ship?
1: Well, throughout the whole film, and this is one of the problems, because I, I, obviously, I know. Again, we've talked about what you know the uh, the scheme in a film and what you're expecting to happen. I was expecting to have someone on board who was not necessarily the not the
0: juggernaut. But an accomplice. An
1: accomplice. I thought there was going to be someone. Some, you know, I thought I should be... I'm looking out, I'm looking out. And, yeah, he, he didn't
0: materialise, really. No, it's, it's deliberately going against yeah. that. Because on a practical, realistic level, would you need someone on board the ship like that? If that, was, if that were real? Yeah. I'd say the answer is no. It could be someone, maybe, who's involved with Juggernaut, who he wants to bump off. Yeah. Maybe the whole scheme is just to kill one person. Yes, that's a Columbo plot right there. <laughs> but no, it's it's just weird how we see this character over and over again. And yeah, he's just he it just as the Walker, mm. but he's just a guy who likes going for walks.
1: Yeah, that's creepy though.
0: Well, when he bumps into people, he's very pleasant.
1: Yeah,
0: and he's he's just he's just a guy who likes fresh air. Yeah,
1: I think we all just want to give him. A role—that's the
0: main thing. Yeah, isn't it? he's a great actor, but it's Ben Harris, mm. who's uh, later in Heidi High, weirdly enough. Ah. So the captain, acknowledging that they can't keep the secret anymore, addresses
1: the everybody yeah.
0: and explains the situation, and just completely comes clean. Mm-hmm. And and then, as he steps off the stage, Mister Curtin comes on and says, "Well." despite all that, we're going to have the costume ball tonight.
1: Yes. And that costume ball, I think, I, I think, again, that
0: would, that's a good idea. Yeah. And I like the way that sequence develops where it starts off with, well, we'll get, we'll get to it, but it yeah. starts off so, everyone is so depressed and, yeah. and with good reason, obviously, but they're just hating it there and they're only there because there's nothing better to do. But it, it, it expands it, expands into it and it else, turns yeah. into something else. With one of the bomb diffusers gone, one of the officers on a ship takes his place and Fallon starts to examine one of the bombs. Meanwhile, Mrs McLeod and Mrs. Bannister meet on deck and they have a little chat.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's it has that weird melancholy. Yeah. It. and it has the melancholy music in the background which is the theme of the movie and even that's in a minor key
1: mm. this is one thing about the film the female characters really poor because they were the two main females there was no one else
0: no not really
1: and they were both miserable uh, and, and of no real so the wife of um, what was her name was it Mrs,
0: Mrs. McLeod Mrs
1: McLeod she is miserable. She is not very particularly caring about her kids either. Not um,
0: really,
1: no. No. So she's not a great role model. And then you've got the other lady who is desperately trying to seek the attention of the captain desperately. Yeah. And yet is uh, we don't know enough about really, but she's, you know, she comes across slightly as an independent woman and yet then she's, you know, all over this captain trying to seek his affection. Yeah. So I
0: just found that both the characters were just rubbish that, yeah I mean it's a function of the time when the film was made mm. but it does it is a problem
1: yeah
0: Um. but I suppose looking at it now you could I mean if you were to make this movie now you could flip the genders of the McLeods yeah you could have the father on board the ship yeah and the wife the police officer
1: yes absolutely
0: um, so you could do it differently, but yeah, they really aren't. There's, I mean, they're not. They're not strong no. characters in themselves. They're they're sidelined. Yeah,
1: they're really, they're they're not. They're no, they're not important for the, how the plot develops either. They make no. no real no
0: real change in anything. They they do serve sort to of flesh out the world a bit, but because Mrs. McLeod is a weak character, both in terms of her function story and being a weak person. Yes, she, she is, yeah. She's, she doesn't do anything. She's not active. Yeah. And Mrs. Bannister being, yeah, as you say, an independent woman, but also enthralled to Omar Sharif. Yes. And who isn't? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, sexiest man in the world, 1962. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And well, we, um, we spoke a while ago about Ravenous... And that only really has one female character in it.
1: I quite like that character, though. I thought Martha was at least a strong person and um, no nonsense, as we said.
0: Yeah, and quite assertive within the Her ba- boundaries um, that she can yeah. she can't. she can't talk back to the, to, the, no. to the white folks.
1: But she wasn't necessarily uh, grovelling or... Uh, No. She didn't, she just...
0: She was like an employed servant who didn't really like her masters. And at the end just took care of herself and left. Yeah. But again, in that environment, you couldn't really have many other female characters. No, no. Because because in in that case, there was so much masculinity.
1: Yeah, that a female character would actually draw the attention away anyway from from what was happening. It might
0: impinge on the... um, very homoerotic relationship, <laughs> relationship.
1: absolutely hm. Richard Harris starts to try one of the bombs out because they say, they decide they have to try one out don't they the one that's going to release, least affect the boat
0: yes well um, they do start making preparations for the party oh yeah and um, the uh, the Indian um, porter blows up a balloon yeah and makes Kurt jump <laughs> <laughs> I wish he wouldn't do that And someone asks, oh, is the preparation Oh, yes. Oh, it will be a Night to Remember. Yes. (laughs)
1: Um, And
0: you do get the reference for that.
1: Well, no, probably not then. I think that's quite funny in itself.
0: Well, Night to Remember was a very successful film in the 50s about the Titanic.
1: Oh,
0: very good. Very good. So then he realises what he said. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, (laughs) I'm hoping it's going to go with a bang. but um, the captain is very angry about the way they're being treated on board the ship but, but, but he's taking Porter's side mm. that they should be paying up yeah. they should be doing everything possible to, to get this out of the way to fix it so that these people are not in danger and he's very annoyed by Fallon's high-handedness Yeah. because Fallon says right, I'm taking over I'm best yes. I'm great at everything you're only the captain but yeah. I'm Fallon yeah
1: it's just two massive characters going against each other who think that they are the best person there.
0: Yeah. And they, they, and they both have a good case because uh, Captain, <clears throat> Captain Brunel is clearly very good at his job. Yeah. He's very competent, he's liked by the crew, and he imported it on very well. Fallon, we know, is an expert in his chosen field, so there is that conflict that's set up, and that develops nicely the rest of the film as well mm. later on while the dining room's closed um, and everyone's everyone having a rest in the afternoon
1: <laughs> there's an
0: extra day somewhere in the movie but um, little David McLeod wanders off because he's hungry mm. just as Fallon is planning to drill into the side of the bomb which doesn't seem like the best idea in the world
1: no but Fallon knows best
0: I suppose so. They do say, "Well, you know, what about a trembler switch?" Mm-hmm. Say, "Well, you know, if there was a, if it was, if it was set really finely, it would have already gone off. Yeah. The ship would have set it off." Yeah. So they, say, well, "Well, we'll drill in and we'll spray water at it while we're doing it, because presumably that's how that works." <laughs> but David um, wanders into the bowels of the ship, and he's found another porter, mm. just as all the. Doors are being closed off. All the bulkhead doors are closed off in case of explosion. And they get trapped in the same compartment with the bomb. Yeah. And he gets on the phone, he manages to get the bulkhead doors open, but as they're running, he slips in a patch of water, falls, the bomb goes off and he's killed. And the compartment's flooded. And that's the first fatality.
1: Yeah. It's sad, because he was, he was an interesting character. He's a likeable character, definitely.
0: He, the way he tells his story about being an Indian born in Africa, yeah. and how he was hated there for being foreign, yes. and how he was hated in England for being foreign, yes, so yes. now he lives at sea.
1: <laughs> well,
0: but, but because he's telling that story in his...
1: Pigeon English. In his
0: Pigeon English accent, how true is that? mm that like, could just be his
1: made-up uh, little...
0: A, maybe it's just his pattern to get an extra tip.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I still like him, though.
0: Yeah. And the the, the bit of banter he does with the guy fixing... um like was nailing carpet down or something. And like he pins him against the wall and says, I play Liverpool on Saturday. Yeah. Liverpool will murder him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, they have to kill someone
1: that we care about, otherwise it wouldn't have as much...
0: Uh... Yeah. We have to have the, the, the tension of... Yeah. That situation. Meanwhile, they're going to talk to the third, well, the only remaining candidate. Yes. And um, it's Mr. Buckland. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that he's the only one of the three who gets credited on screen.
1: Oh. Which leads you
0: to suspect that maybe he's got a slightly bigger role than the other two.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's really boring.
1: He's so boring. Yeah. <laughs> And, and also, I was actually quite disappointed about Buckland, really, generally. I thought, yeah, God.
0: Did it turn out to be him? Yes. Why?
1: Because I wanted it to be more exciting than that, but he is just boring, and he's just
0: he's miserable. He's a little
1: old man, he's just a little man.
0: Exactly, he's miserable and he's bitter about the way he's been treated and it fits in with the tone of the whole movie. Yeah. That he was a bomb disposal expert, he got into building bombs, he got pensioned off Mm. and he's just pissed off. Yeah. And this is his way of getting, getting back at it. But In these
1: sort of films, though, should we know? Should, this is the thing: is when when they introduced him, it was a very quick, like, "Oh yes, this is Juggernaut." <clears throat> it was quite a quick.
0: When it's revealed that it's when him. it was revealed, yeah,
1: and I was thinking, oh, all oh, right, okay. I thought there was going to be a little bit more guesswork about it. I just thought it, it just happened very quickly, mm. and um, and maybe, but that's saying maybe they're not getting their. Drama from that, more from what's happening on the ship rather than what's happening on land.
0: I think so. I mean, the the problem is that there's there's only so many uh, suspects you can have. Yeah. So one way of doing the story maybe would be that you never find out who Juggernaut is. Yeah. Make it something like seven, Mm. where maybe Juggernaut comes forward Hmm. and then is deliberately trying to provoke them to set off the bombs. That's one way of doing it. But that then lurches too far into, oh, it's more like a movie. Yeah. Whereas here, it's just a guy who's pissed off.
1: Yeah. It's just normal. Yeah. can happen to anyone.
0: Well, anyone who's spent 20 years designing bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Freddie Jones in anything else? Not that I'm aware of. Um, you are, I'm sure, aware of his son, Toby Jones. Who is in... Uh, detectorists. The, no. BBC, the BBC comedy series about metal detecting people. No. Harry Potter, again. He God, was, everyone's in Harry Potter. I know, he was Dobby the House Elf. Oh, right. He's done a lot of TV. He was in the Hunger Games movies. He's one of the commentators. He's been in an awful lot. Right. He's a very good actor. But Freddie Jones is incredibly still alive. He's about 90 now. Oh. And he weirdly became part of David Lynch's Oh. Repertory Company because he's in the Elephant Man and Dune, Ah. Oh. and he's just this odd-looking, creepy man.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's kind of creepy-looking. I don't
0: think I've seen him in anything where he's played someone normal.
1: Well, that that's his USP.
0: Oh, he was in the League of Gentlemen
1: again. Not normal-looking.
0: Well, he well in that it, it was it maybe was a, he
1: was the more normal-looking, was he?
0: No, he was a very very elderly vet who'd uh, been cursed. Oh. And that every animal he treated was killed, <laughs> but that was a, it was a comedy yeah. role, so it was yeah. they clearly got it. Oh, we can get Ray Lynch in our show, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. So then they got David Warner for the movie because why get David Warner in our movie? Mm-hmm. They've come to the bottom of the the list. There's two bombers they can't find who seem to have just dropped off the radar completely, and for some reason they're having this conversation at the opera. Mm. Again, I think that's. Probably something that's cut. OK. Because... Otherwise, it doesn't make... It doesn't make yeah. any sense. No. Why would... The, why, there's ballet going on in the background. Why are they there? Yeah. And then someone says, shh. Yes. Oh, and yeah, Rigoletto to you too. <laughs> so having basically given up, Scotland Yard says, oh, probably should pay him. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've run out of... We've run out of Suspects. And it gives Porter the chance to rail at the minister about his lack of concern Mm. while McLeod talks on the phone to his son. And his son says, Oh, Dad, I nearly got blown up, Dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, someone else got killed. I'm glad you're worried about that. And just just as Fallon is getting ready to cut into the bomb, someone delivers some more dry toast. Yes.
1: That was a recurring theme, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because apparently it's just it's tea and toast is just yeah. the thing to have.
1: I didn't know that. I've never had to have it. As in, I've never, I can't test it.
0: Well, it's I'm presuming unless you've got a gluten problem, it's just really, really digestible and it mm-hmm. just soaks up any. Liquid unpleasantness. Mm. You're a medical person, you should know all this stuff.
1: Yeah, but what's liquid unpleasantness when it's a medical term? Vomit. Well, I know, but that's everything. Vomit is just everything.
0: Toast soaks up everything.
1: Well, (laughs) for true,
0: I won't argue. It's the sponge of food. Yeah,
1: no, fair enough.
0: So they, they figure out how they're going to break into the bomb because each of the seven drums has a little round plate on the front that's screwed on. Yes. And they're going to very, very carefully open it up. And so he's just slotted the screwdriver in and he's just very, very slightly adding pressure. And that's so the way he puts the spanner. on. Very, very, very carefully <laughs> turning it. And there's so much tension. Tension at on, that point close up there is. Of watching one little screw turn yeah. a tiny amount. And this is where, that, while they're having the party... So we, <laughs> we just starts with Curtin screaming, Roll out the barrel. Yes. And can't even remember half the words.
1: And then poor Curtin having his little breakdown. Yeah. Which was a nice bit because it made him human. Because up to then he was just being used as, as the comedy yeah,
0: the buffer. Even the Even the comic relief mm. gets fed up. So I just, I can't cope yeah. with this anymore. Yeah, I'll have two double scotches in the same glass. <laughs> that was funny. And Mrs. Bandester says, "I, I, I think you're doing really well." And without even looking, he says, "Don't patronise me, darling." Yes, it's, but he just
1: becomes a real person. It yeah. was, it was a great, it was a great bit. It's just yeah.
0: not, it's just not worth keeping up the pretense anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: And he says, I just have to admit that I'm just like everyone else, absolutely shit scared." Yeah. And she asks him to dance. Yeah, and then that's that relationship there carries on for the rest of the movie, and it's nef- nothing is spoken, mm. but you get the feeling that maybe, maybe the two of them were a better fit than her and.
1: I felt she was doing that because she pitied him.
0: She holds his hand at the end of the movie.
1: Pity, or just being mm. caring? I don't think so. I don't think she's that type of or woman. Just,
0: just. just... General decency and kindness.
1: Yeah, just being nice
0: oh.
1: to him. Sorry. Because you want the underdog to win the blonde. I'm going to say she's just being nice. <laughs> you can't go from, you know, having sex with her, Sharif to Curtin. Sorry.
0: Well, as they're standing on the deck of the ship later, and he's telling her, well, you know, look at the bright side, aren't any icebergs around? Yes. And she looks up towards the, the bridge and says, well... Are you sure?
1: <laughs> mm. Yes.
0: Because Curtin is much more of a, a fully rounded person, I think, than the captain. The captain is... Again, he's like the, the Michael Mann professional. He's good at his job. But
1: that's all he's but that, really good but at. that's
0: all he does. Yes,
1: yeah.
0: Whereas Curtin is a failed entertainer, by his own admission. Yeah. Or almost by his own admission. And is just trying to get through this from one thing to the next and maybe she sees something in him, like, the, maybe the fact, it's implied that she's, she's ricocheted from man to man yeah, yeah, yeah. relationship. The, the, the maybe they have something in common that way. Possibly. So maybe there is some kind of relationship between the two of them. Not necessarily a romantic one.
1: No, exactly. No, no, I can see where you're coming from. It's like the
0: breakfast club. Yeah. They have this great bond forged through adversity. Mm. But is that good bond going to be maintained when they leave the ship?
1: probably
0: not probably not no I mean in the movie it would yeah but in a real life situation like in Juggernaut it's no. which has more in common with real life
1: yes I, no no but it's nice for Curtin
0: yeah maybe he'll rethink things and yeah as as many performers who don't meet the success that they hope for They end up becoming agents instead. Possibly. That often happens. So maybe he'd have more success in that. Booking acts to appear on ships.
1: Yeah. You've gone off on the one, though.
0: Tangent. This show is all tangent.
1: (laughs) You're imagining what happens to Curtin and he becomes an actor's agent.
0: Well, he's one of the few characters who isn't wedded to their work.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he isn't at all
0: the politician I and mean, the politician's is going to carry on being a mayor of a major American city yes. as he describes it mm. and he has that nice moment in the, the party as well Yeah. where his wife asks wife. Wife him if, she's ever, if he's ever been unfaithful to her, her and he says since we met yes since we've been married no mm. and if we're going to die I'm glad it's here with you yeah and then just as he said that, his hat falls over his face <laughs> because they were wearing party hats. Yeah. And then at that it looks like it's an accident and that they just left it in mm. because it, it, it stops it from being
1: too... too movie-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then he, he, he laughs and throws it away. And then the whole atmosphere relaxes. Now yeah. the curtain isn't trying to force people to, to have, have fun. fun it just relaxes and the band plays and people start to move onto the dance floor and just dance Mm. and so the politician's wife dance Kurt and Mrs Bannister dance and it just people start to unwind a bit more and
1: accept what might happen yeah
0: and the the tension eases
1: yeah whilst on the other side of the boat the tension is just mounting and mounting
0: yeah as Fallon says you know what death is nature's way of telling you you're in the wrong job (laughs) That their plan is that he will take a step, and if that doesn't set off the bomb, everyone else will copy him. Yes. So the first thing is well, if we take the plate off, there's probably a light sensor inside. So they go through that, turn off all the lights, go for infrared, there is a light sensor inside, and he cuts that. And he, as he examines the inside, there are six booby traps. Mm. He slowly cuts them one by one. Yes. And the next bit is there's two little contacts next to each other. He's right, got to cut that a little plastic strip in very, very carefully. Yes. And then one of the other bombs goes off. Yes. And Fallon has his moment of crisis. In scriptwriting terms, this is the, the end of Act Two, mm-hmm. where the challenge becomes too great. Sod it. Pay the man his money.
1: Yeah. And also he's lost a friend, because the, the bomb that yeah. goes
0: off... The bomb that goes off kills... Charlie, yeah. the guy who had the family... The family, the
1: possible job. Yeah, yeah, who
0: had everything going for him. Mm. And it's just gone like... And
1: it's Fallon who brought him into this situation. So there's a certain amount of...
0: Of guilt. Guilt, that guilt that with Fallon, yeah. yeah.
1: And that's when he does then go back to the captain and says, "Oh, you know, pay the money, give me the alcohol, give me, you know...
0: Give me the big bottle of booze.
1: Yeah, and has his little crisis... And that's when these two very powerful men and very skilled men in their own way have their own little confrontation. Yeah. But it makes Fallon get a grip, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great scene because it's not two actors who you'd put together normally. Because uh-huh. they're very different. Because the sure being Egyptian and Richard Thomas being Irish, they're almost different opposing national temperaments, yeah. in a sense, and they, yeah. they really reflect that. They go through the process of delivering the ransom, which is collecting two uh, suitcases. two suitcases yeah. from Waterloo Station, yeah. filling them with twenty pound notes, and then putting them into a luggage locker at Heathrow. So they're all all eyes are on the luggage locker. Of course, bloke comes in. Weirdly, five years later, same guy would be in a Doctor Who story with Julian Glover, who plays Admiral Jeff. Oh. And it's going to put them into a flight to Dublin.
1: Oh, I didn't notice it was to Dublin. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then as this is going on, th- because there's the, there's the conveyor belt that takes the, um, all the luggage out to the yes. outside, and you can see through the little plastic drapes, there's a figure lurking, looking yes, through. Yes, yeah. You think, ah, oh, that's, that that's must who it going to take,
1: yeah.
0: But the problem is the baggage is too heavy.
1: Yeah.
0: And he hasn't got the money on him. To pay for the excess.
1: Now, was it too heavy because the police had put too much in it on purpose? Was that their plan all along, do you think?
0: I think it's a mistake on Juggernaut's part that he forgot okay. how much, cause it's, because it's paper. Yeah, it's yeah, That yeah. much paper is heavy.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's the one thing that he didn't figure plan out. for. Yeah. Mm. And, of course, he paid the, uh, the, 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 the police swoop in and they catch the guy. Yeah. The guy knows nothing. Yeah. But he was paid fifty quid in advance. Yeah. So "Well, why didn't you pay the excess from the yeah. from that?" Says, so, "Well, I've already spent it." Yeah, <laughs> I
1: know.
0: So, well, yeah, because if you employ a, you know, a petty criminal to do your dirty work,
1: that's what happens. Yeah, they're going kind
0: to of bugger it up. Yeah, in the in the captain's office, Fallon's refusing to go back because yeah. it's it is guilt.
1: Yeah. And he's now scared.
0: Yeah, he has because he has this unblemished record as far as he sees it.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's it's ego as well I think and mm. it's, he's he's scared of
1: dying his losing head. his reputation
0: yeah and the weight of
1: all these people yeah
0: 1,200 people yeah. on board the ship so he's really knocking back the booze yes. and the captain is eventually him just a snap out of it
1: Yeah.
0: so Fallon responds by throwing the bottle at his head
1: yeah <laughs> as you
0: would yeah but so sort of, he manages. It just in the process of it, he works, at, works it all out. Mm. He just gets it all out of himself, and he opens the door to the captain's office. And outside, the whole team is waiting for yes. him, <laughs> just hanging around outside. Like, okay, right back to work. And he goes he looks at the relays, and he realizes there's is a very, tiny wire, yeah. as thin as a hair, mm. connecting them, and that when he put the plastic strip in, they cut the wire set and set the bottom off. So he very carefully picks up a pair of crocodile clips, reaches in, mm. but his hand is just yeah. shaking. And it's the, the horrible tension of it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's clenching his hands, just clapping just to stop himself from, from, from shaking very slowly, he reaches in, says, oh, You're a good man, Gemini, but so is Fallon. <laughs> Clip. And then it goes through all these, the little bits. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a, the whirring tape.
1: Yeah, that was an odd one.
0: I Again, I've not looked at many bombs,
1: but that was an odd, odd thing, yeah.
0: Well, Fallon doesn't mention it as being particularly weird or unusual. No. So it makes sense. And then he sort of reaches with a little scalpel, and then he cuts it. And suddenly a bell goes off. Yes. And says, oh, he's a bloody comedian? Yeah. <laughs> And he reaches through, to the, right to the back plate of the inside of the workings, unclips one side, mm. unclips the other, lowers it down, and there's a message inside yeah. that says, better luck next time. Yeah. And he finally realises, I've seen this before. Mm. This happened during the war. We need to find the guy who designed that bomb, because he's the one who did this. Yeah, and it's all, we we looked into this, and the, uh, he he's talking over the um, over the R T back to the school. So we we looked into this. The guys are really not Oh well, get hold of the the guy who who um, helped me uh, defuse it the last time. Buckland. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Mm. So they go back to his house, and Buckland has left lying around a brochure for the Britannic, yes. which is how they know it was him. Silly Buckland. Again
1: it all just ties in though with little man with a
0: big grudge. And again, it's it's professionals who are really good at one thing. He's really good at building bombs. Yes. He's rubbish at everything else. At being discreet. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't clear up his own trail. No. And the ransom drop is a farce because yeah. he doesn't think it through properly. But the um the bomb design is in fact that, that whole section is just booby traps there's nothing in there at all the actual instance is in the side that has been painted over so they clear the paint and they start cutting a hole in
1: and is it at this stage that they bring buckland in now so they've got buckland in with them
0: yes they've got buckland in at the school and fallon admits that they ask well how how was it fused last time how 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 will you know how to do it so we didn't last time the bomb went off yeah. and I broke my leg, and Buckland's the one who saved my life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's we you know there's this one moment of weakness in his career there.
0: Yeah. And they, they're, as they're getting ready to abandon the ship, because it's getting very close to dawn now, Yeah, they slowly they cut, they cut a hole through, and they find just a detonator with two wires coming out, red, yeah. and, red and blue. And apparently this is the origin
1: Yes, I read that as well. This is the first this scene. This is the first
0: cut—the red or blue wire. Thing, yeah, which is amazing.
1: It is amazing, actually, and it's not what you. Ex- I didn't. I wouldn't have expected it to come from that film, and now because we are of this generation, while we're used to that. It's not a. But can you imagine the first time someone saw that? That's. Uh, it's yeah,
0: cool. and again, the tension there of just this very simple choice. Yeah. And uh, Fallon wants to speak to Buckland, and it talks to him over the, the system. Says, "Okay, now look, you're the best.
1: Yeah,
0: I will concede that. You've won. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're old friends. You,
1: you know, need to help me it, out. Yeah.
0: You need to help me out on this, just for the for the sake of our friendship. Yeah. Which wire? Two minutes left." <laughs> And same, we've, got, we've got to hurry up, we've got to hurry up. And Buckland says, it's the blue wire, cut the blue wire. And the music swells as he reaches in with the pliers to cut the blue wire. And at the last second he changes his mind, cuts the red. Yes. And nothing happens.
1: Yeah.
0: It's, it's, and he, he shouts, it's red, A red, R-E-D, red. And the look on Buckland's face.
1: Yeah, horror. As yeah. he
0: realised he's lost, yeah. as this whole... His whole ego comes crumbling down yeah. because he's he's the one who's been beaten. Yeah. And Fallon sits back, and Fallon is the because <laughs> he's he's still the undefeated yeah king.
1: It was a really good. It was a really good moment. That all that scene was
0: fantastic. Yeah, it's so tense. Yeah, it's it was. it's so perfectly directed. It's all close-ups as well. It's mm. So absolute. Tightness of the focus on the screen, but we see what becomes of all the, the others. Mrs. McLeod is crying,
1: hmm.
0: no change there. No, <laughs> miserable. Um, uh, Mrs. Bannister and Curtin holding hands Yeah, um, there's some again, it's something that you might notice if you've got subtitles of a couple of people on deck saying, Oh, let's have a drink. It's, <laughs> it's six o'clock in the morning, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no change there, then. Yeah. On holiday,
0: the rest of the disposal team are sort of sparking up together on deck and having a smoke with the ship's officers. Yeah, the walker is still walking, (laughs) and Fallon is is alone on his own. Yeah, alone as he just lights his pipe and stands quietly as the camera pulls back and back and back, and we see that now the sea is absolutely still.
1: Yeah, it was a good ending, and again, as you say, it comes back to Fallon being. The best at this, at the expense of everything else, and it just it focuses that moment, doesn't it?
0: And he's he's lost the the only real connection he's had with with the death of his best friend.
1: Mm.
0: And but he's won. Yeah, he's he's still the best at defusing bombs, but he can't do anything else.
1: No,
0: he's lost his friend. He's lost his mentor. He has nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a great. Thriller. I mean, I I really enjoy watching it again. Well, I say watching it. Watching it for the first time. Yeah. What did you think with your modern eyes?
1: Um, it's very difficult at the beginning to get over the noise problems that there are on the DVD. Yeah. I found that really hard, and it does make a difference. I
0: think. With, I mean, this is a movie that deserves a proper release. It's. Mm. I mean, it deserves a decent release. It the the one we've got is crap.
1: Yeah. I think it is dated, obviously, but I did enjoy the second half with the bomb diffusing part. I thought was the best part. A third of the way through, I was a bit like, "Come on now, what's happening?"
0: You were you, you were tired of setup and you wanted to get into the story. Yes,
1: I did. That was the thing because there was a Fair lot. Off. There was a lot of this, you know, sort of waiting for something to happen. What are they doing? Are they going to come and get the bomb? Are they not? And and, and that was a bit. Yeah. But once it started to go, I thought it was very good. And actually, it ended very quickly once it was done it was done that was yeah. it um, so it, although it starts the start was good and then it sort of I thought got a little bit boring and then it picked up again so overall good I think comparing to other films that we talked about so Ravenous that we talked about I yeah. would say Ravenous is more entertaining than, okay. than this and I, if I was to choose between them I'd probably watch Ravenous again
0: I, would, I think I might choose this. I think yeah. This, yeah. Maybe because I'm not as familiar with it. Yeah. And I think there's just so much interesting detail and there's so much of a world that's built that even though everyone's miserable and it's a terrible situation, it's fascinating to visit and yeah. to sort of think about all the nooks and crannies of it.
1: Maybe because it is so normal. I don't know. Maybe it is just that, that yeah. the people in it are very normal and they are very real. Maybe that's what makes it so a little bit less exciting for me.
0: But but more, but engaging, more interesting. But more engaging yeah, for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well oh, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah. That's why I like to have women on the show. It gets a bit of variety of opinion.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Well you're welcome. I really like it. It's as you say it's dated. It it's a snapshot of its time and yes. in some ways that works. In other words, as I said, the female characters, it's more of a problem mm. looked at now. But...
1: It couldn't have been at any other time the way it was, and also no. what they were trying to pick up, as you say, with all the different Irish uh, yeah. points, it yeah. needed to be based in that time, didn't it? Yes. And also, the tenseness of the Bond diffusing mm. nowadays would not be the same,
0: very no, different it's, technology
1: it's, and different...
0: It's all very analogue, with the little little counters and the tapes whirring around.
1: Yeah, which is what I quite liked about it. But again, you couldn't have that at any other time. You couldn't have that
0: now. You could do it now, because it could be the the clash of a modern bomb diffusal expert having to deal with something that's built along very analogue lines.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I think
0: this is another movie for Cinema Limbo where we have to campaign to get a decent release for it yeah. one where the picture is the right shape yeah. the sound you can listen to
1: yeah.
0: the DVD has the right title on the cover <laughs> and um, maybe one or two extras or even just some written text on screen for the menus so we know what we're clicking on Yeah. but um, you know what the punchline is of course I'm going on holiday tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Emmy for making time for this recording Cinema Limbo is now on iTunes, with 20 episodes available, so please subscribe, download and review before the dawn comes up. But until next time, remember what the goldfish said. There must be a god. I mean, who changes the water? Goodbye. You have been listening to Cinema Limbo, hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips, edited by Martin Fenton, with music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcast Network. Come and visit us at www.podnose.com. The Cinema Limbo Podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com.